This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunter Chronicles podcast. Big news on this one. We've got some... Uh, things that are finalized uh, that we can finally talk about, some new partners that we are going to be working with this year. Um, we have a new title sponsor. So the show is now going to be brought to you by Huntworth Clothing. So Huntworth, their mantra is quality clothing at a price you deserve. And I'd seen a lot of stuff about Huntworth, and I never got a chance to check it out. And um, I got a good friend who is a photographer and I got to sit in and model um, some of the Huntworth clothing. And they said, hey, if you're going to, if you'll use them, go ahead and keep them. And I hunted in their clothes all of the late season. Um, their late season clothing was incredible. Not bulky. Had the the fleece lined or it's the Berber type lining and uh, one of the the waffle grid fleece and I used it like in just about every single kind of cold temperature, wind, snow, rain, everything. And it was just incredible. And, uh, got a chance to, uh, talk with them and the company that represents them. And we were end up going to be using their gear this year. And, uh, so what that means is they're going to be, you know, providing more giveaways for the Patreons too. So I'm uh, really excited for that partnership, really good stuff. And the price is good um, for anybody, even if you were just buying it outright. They have a couple of different patterns. Their tarnin pattern is really good, like very, very impressive, um, especially like with the snow or kind of like a in the open kind of sky type stuff with the cedars or pines. It, birch it just blends in with just about everything uh really good and they've got some really big things that are coming and they have a huge lineup so across all warm weather cold weather everything so really excited to be working with them 
And then along with the projects that we're going to be doing up in our UP property, um, we had talked uh, with uh, some mineral companies and kind of talked about doing something like that. And we got approached by Lucky Buck. And so we're going to be working with them as well. Um, that's just going to be uh, Frank and Ernie are going to be using that down in Ohio on some of the private pieces that they're hunting, uh, some of our Patreons. Uh, we're going to make sure we get that out to them as well uh, so we can integrate that in and, and see how it's how it's working. But real excited to add that with our, our property in the UP for some inventory. And uh, if you refer back to the podcast with uh, Ranger Matthew, how he's using that up in... Uh, up in the UP and doing some um, inventory and using it kind of like mock scrape setup. So very excited to try that. Happy to onboard those guys. Um, real excited. That's another Michigan company there, Lucky Buck. So real excited to uh, to do that. This podcast has been one that's been coming for a long time. Um, tried to get to, to talk with Sean with the Total Archery Challenge and uh, just couldn't make it work. And this year we timed it right so it was before he gets super busy and you know we've talked to him a ton of times at the total archery challenge when you get into the episode we've we've talked with him a ton he's the, he's the grumpy old man that's at the lift and it, it's it's really cool to hear the story of where tack came from the improvements that they've made and and all of that so you guys are really going to love this if you've never done a total archery challenge you definitely need to um you're going to hear it a lot in the podcast but that tackpass.com um, go there. The process for signing up groups is going to be great. I mean, if you're the guy that signs up for, for all of your friends, uh, this one, uh, this year should be much better. They did crash the website when they signed, when everybody signed up, uh, for Oklahoma, like in the first minute. Uh, but it wasn't due to the servers or anything. There were some other issues that were going on. They got that straightened out. So hopefully going forward, um, It'll be all taken care of, and, and Michigan signs up March 5th, so super excited for that and to get that over with and, and to be ready. Um, we are going to have uh, Greg Litzinger is coming to the Michigan shoot. He's going to uh, shoot with us, and so he'll be there. We're going to be doing our cookout um, there as well. I don't have many details on that, uh, but we'll we'll get those for you. So um, it's just a really fun event, and I uh, hope to see any of you there. Um, you know, you heard me mention Patreon. So if your Patreons are there, definitely stop by, hang out, but anybody just swing by. We've usually got banners up for the Muskegon Bowman's club, as well as our, uh, Bowhunter Chronicles stuff. And, uh, just really excited, excited for that. And for you guys, Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators that helps us to, um, you know, do video podcasts like this one. So video podcasts are coming out. Uh, a week after they air, so um, we've got we didn't do one for the bear archery. Uh, we didn't bring all of our equipment to the, the the traditional show, but Patreon helps us pay for the travel to these shows for um, all of this type of stuff, and then it helps us. You know, we give back. So so we've got a bear Montana longbow that we purchased as a podcast, and Bear sent us a ton of accessories and things to go along with that, and I've been shooting it. Uh, the, the patrons uh, in the Marco Polo group, and if you're not, if you're a patron and you're not checking that out, um, that's, it's a real fun group of guys. But they wanted me to shoot it and to see how it compared to the stalker that I've got, and uh, it shoots really well, uh, group really well with it. And then we've got a set of arrows being built with it, 
Um, so we're giving away a full uh, bear archery package uh, with a traditional bow. Um, super fun to shoot, 40-pound bear Montana. And we get to do stuff like that. And so I'm waiting to hear back for, for what we're going to give away from Huntworth. And Lucky Buck does also have um, food plot seed and stuff like that. So we're going to be giving away some of that. And then Spartan Forge. So Spartan Forge is machine learning for the deer woods. And they have the most incredible imaging. And the price point is great. And it's only getting better. I, I mean, in the next two or three months, the imaging is going to be far and away better than it is right now. Things that you're not going to believe, be able to do some other stuff by onboarding your own imagery. If you want to pay for extra imagery, if you want to uh, look at single leaf, single branch imagery, and then they're going to be doing some things that are going to really put a hurting on Onyx uh, base map, any of the other ones. So Spartan Forge, they're also giving away one of their, um, pro packages, but you can use our code 25, 25% off, uh, use code bowhunter at spartanforge.ai, but they give away, you know, one of their memberships as well. So just a lot of things for that Patreon community. And I'm working on some other big, very, uh, new type, uh, technology, some, some new things, uh, we got bouncing around here. So very excited about that. And it's like 33 cents a day to help out the show. So if we give you value and, and it's something that you want to help us out, uh, you know, we'll send you some merch, we'll send you a shirt and some koozies and that sort of stuff to, you know, sweeten the deal. But it really does help us be able to grow this show and make it better. And you can check that out at bowhunterchroniclespodcast.com or patreon.com forward slash bowhunterchroniclespodcast. But it means the world to us. But if not, if that's not for you, not a big deal. Just go ahead and tell a friend. Say, hey, check out that podcast about the Total Archery Challenge. You know we've been thinking about doing it. Like, we have to go. We've we've got to go and do that. Uh, check this podcast out. They'll tell you all about it. Um, I know you guys are going to like this one. Hope to see you there. Hope to see you at Patreon. Uh, all that stuff. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody. So we're back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, sitting down with Sean from the uh, Total Archery Challenge. And if you've been following along with our show, I mean, I'd say it's probably one of the highlights of our year outside of hunting season, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. It was definitely my highlight because I didn't hunt hardly at all this year. So, and, and like I was telling Sean, you know, John's the nerdy one. So, like the first year that we ever went up there, I went for one day. They had stayed at the condos and. John had already broken down a bow. There was a Bitsen burger on the on the island, and they're fletching arrows and and doing the whole thing. We've went so far as uh, paper tuned bows in the rooms there at the at the condos at Boyne, and uh, so that's just a little bit of background of you know how how we're taking the the event. Um, so, Sean, tell us a little bit about yourself and and about like how the event came to be and you know, what your role is with the total archery challenge. Yeah. So, uh, I've, I've basically been hunting my whole life. It's been a huge passion of mine. I work so I can hunt type of scenario. And, uh, I've been fortunate enough. I worked in the hunting industry for quite a few years, um, and still do on a, on a small scale. I guided in Alaska and also in Montana, um, for years. And, uh, it got to the point where I was gone too much. And so I needed to get 
if you will, a, a real job. Um, so uh, I worked a few different jobs all the while doing a little bit of guiding because I just couldn't get it out of my blood and leave it. Um, and then I got a job with an events company called The Color Run and started working with them. And uh, that was kind of the, the kickoff, if you will, to wanting to do more in the hunting industry on the event side. There was already an event that existed called Bowcast at the Bird. Um, and it was, it wasn't working out for those guys. And so they were done. Um, and I'd helped them in the past and I really enjoyed the event. And so that's what we did is we said, okay, well, we'll, we'll buy your event and take it over and, and, uh, change the recipe to what you see total archery challenges today. So, um, we're looking through some different lenses, if you will, than a hunter might doing an event because I was in that event, that industry, um, outside of hunting. And so we made some changes, rebranded and basically started a new event. And, and that's what it is today. So it's, we love it. Um, it was my wife, Monica and I, who started it and, uh, kind of run it. We have different roles. Um, mine's my role specifically to total archery challenge is, sponsorship and then logistics and then monica handles customer service and registration so that's kind of our two roles and then we have some people to work for us right to help us fill those roles see john i don't think that at all i remember him as the gruff guy at the lift who's heckling you when you're hung over <laughs> um <laughs> yeah yeah that might have been me those first few years for sure yeah. <laughs> so I do, uh, I do run the lift a little bit this last year. Our, our son ran, uh, the lift there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, uh, we just, wherever the need is that we need to be, we'll fill it. But Monica is the one, she kind of has contact with all the participants. She's the gal at the check-in trailer. So, um, and I'm just wherever I need to be. And how has the event evolved? Like what year did you guys do this and, and how has it evolved from then until now? So 2012 was our first year. Um, uh, so we're going on, this is a 10 year anniversary for us. And we only did one event. Then we did snowbird here in Utah. And it, I think the foundation of it has stayed the same as far as, evolved goes uh we've just tried to build out we've tried to build it out to more where it's it works for everybody regardless of your ability to shoot um some may argue that it's since it's not a competition nobody can really find out how good they are those that have actually shot it know that you can compete against yourself all day long because we provide a lot of opportunity there for you to progress throughout the years and give you things to work on, let you know what you need to work on. Um, so we focused a lot on being able to make it inviting for all walks of life in the archery world. And, uh, and then, uh, just tried to liven it up and make it a lot funner. So if you guys have been doing Michigan all these years, then you've seen that things have grown. We've added some things to it, added more courses. And then, uh, now this year with this new app with TAC pass, uh, that, that that's probably one of the biggest evolutions we'll have is moving more into the digital side to create greater experiences. Um, 
I guess maybe to backtrack a little bit for someone who hasn't even, you know, they've just seen, like you said, Instagram stuff and, uh, you know, Facebook things. I mean, I know when I first had, I, I don't know if I got an email or if I saw it on Facebook or something and I got a hold of John and our, our group of guys. And I was like, man, this thing looks awesome. But we went there not knowing at all, right. like what to expect. And uh, in the early days, I can tell you it was absolutely miserable on the Saturday where there was no knock times. And I, you know, we were waiting yeah. for hours and, you know, I, I shot just one day and it was eight hours. I had no snacks, no water, no nothing. <laughs> yeah. And it was just I mean, sunburned and, and, and miserable, but what? <laughs> um, but we couldn't get wait, couldn't wait to get back to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you still came back, so <laughs> there was something there for sure. Yeah, but but so what can people expect? I mean, how many targets? How many like multiple so, courses? The the idea yeah, behind. Yeah, so um, that's a good point. That was one big evolution, and we actually a lot of people are copying uh, that method of knock time now. Uh, that was one big evolution because. Um, not just you, but we had people waiting in line in Utah and Montana for up to three or four hours just to get on the lift. Uh, so we started doing a ticketing system and said, okay, we got to change this. And that's when we decided to go with the knock time. But uh, kind of for, for people that are new into it, um, I still think you need to expect, and, and maybe you guys can give some insight on this as shooters, but I would still say per course, you probably still should plan on four to five hours depending on the course, depending on the day and what time you go. Uh, so plan on a good pair of walking shoes, bring your own water. Um, we do provide water halfway through the course ish, wherever suitable for us to get there and refill the water and stuff. But we do provide water, um, halfway through so you can refill and, uh, and you are going to want to bring some snacks because there is quite a bit of hiking. Now this new place in Michigan, it's the mountains, not near as big as Boyne was, but there's still going to be some good walking there, you know, a two to three to four mile walk, depending on what courses you're doing. Um, there's 25 targets, which, you know, you could shoot through 25 targets really quick, but we do want to make a hike out of it. We want you to get in there and do a little bit of, hi bit of hiking. For one, it's just fun to get out and do that. And two, it kind of tells you where you're at in the sense of if you were hunting in the West, doing some hiking around in these hills to, you know, get your heart rate up and, and just do that. So granted, it's a little different out in your neck of the woods. A lot of guys are shooting out of tree stands, things like that. But um, you come West, which is what we cater that event to. We build it out like a Western, a Western hunt, if you will. Yeah. Cause like our first year, like not, I mean, we were just excited to get up there and had no idea. And then we seen guys like in full camo and packs. I'm like, what? the heck what's going on <laughs> you know and then yeah. then we realized like well shit well then we were ended up we ended up going to idaho in 2018 elk hunting and so then when we went to tack that year we were the guys in the camo with our packs and it was like a perfect <laughs> testing for our gear and, right yeah no you're absolutely right and so yeah, yeah and we're it, like it was awesome for it's that. built that way but i would say if you on our website, it tells you bring sunscreen, bring water, bring snacks, bring a good pair of boots. Um, keep an eye on the weather for uh, rain. We have rain a lot in Michigan. And for that matter, you know, we have rain at all of our events. So um, 
but uh, and it's a good place to test your gear. You're absolutely right. I know when we first came out to Michigan and Pennsylvania, you know, everybody had the single pin sites shooting out to 30 or 40 yards maximum. And to watch that change as the event has grown, um, you know, Pennsylvania and Michigan are our number two and number three biggest events that we have. And, uh, and to see the gear shift that uh, people are coming out, they're ready to do this thing. They know what to expect. So, but um, be ready to shoot long distances. And if that's not your gig, that's okay. We have the opportunity for you to shoot whatever you're comfortable with. If it's 40, shoot 40. If it's 60, shoot 60. But, um, but if you have the opportunity to test your gear out further than that, then do it. It's a lot of fun. I don't think maybe Sean you've been on like the course with most of the guys like in our group because we're like it's like the women's tees right like there's no way we're letting you shoot from 40 (laughs) yards unless like you know there's going to be some harassment so if you're going to this event and you're I mean, for for us, typically, we've got one or two shooters that never are prepared and they don't have anything going on. And it ends up being like, well, we saw John's arrow and it almost hit that branch way up there. So if you just put your 30 yard pin on that branch, you're going to get close. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. And, yep, that's and that awesome. may be why there's so many arrows and trees and uh, all, all of that. But it, it, I don't know. I. I I, I hear that and people always say like, oh yeah, you can just walk up there, but I don't think I've seen very many people other than the traditional archery guys. And you got to give those guys a lot of credit for yeah. walking that course because you're, I mean, when you set up on like a, a lion or something at a hundred yards and you just have a stick and string, like that guy's got to walk up there and he's probably still shooting at it from 50 yards away, which is a hundred yards to, to us. Right. 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 And there's still the guys, we have a guy out in uh Terry peak. He it's a hundred yards. He lets her rip. <laughs> like it's hilarious. And he, he hits foam. So, but it, it like I said, it's, it, there's no judgment except amongst friends more than likely, uh, as you said, you're going to harass your buddies if they have to step forward, but we we've set it up the way we've set it up so that you guys could bring a new beginner with you and get them into the sport and, uh, and help them along the way where you're shooting at 80 yards. They really are only shooting 40 or 50 and that's okay. Yeah. Um, that's the idea behind it. And we also have those courses, you know, like the loophole course is set up out 60 yards. So, 20 to 60 yards. It's set up for a guy like that, where if he is going to need to walk in, he doesn't have to walk in that far. There's no walk to shame at, you know, 120 yards and your buddies are watching you. So, um, so we set it up specifically that way. And, uh, and there's a lot of dads that want to shoot with their kids that they can shoot a lot farther than their kids. And so, you know, just have them walk up. Um, the idea of it really is we just want everybody to come out and have a good time. Yeah, I I know that, you know, when you guys go and set up the course, and I want to hear about, like, kind of what happens, like, behind the scenes when you do set up the courses, because there's been many times, and there's, like, two or three shots that I can tell you that we've cursed everyone who set up that shot. I mean, there was... <laughs> yeah. There's like that one buck was like 90 yards uphill with a brush pile in front of it. And it was the deer with the apple on his nose. And there's like no way. And you're like, these guys are, they have yeah, to so work with the arrow manufacturers or something. I, 
I wish we did. We need to work on something like that. There needs to be some shares going around because there are some arrows. But however, there's always there's always a few shots that we set up that we're like, okay, this can be done, but you know, it's a tough shot. And we we do have a few of those at every event that we're like, okay, we need to do this one. This needs to be tough. Let's push them. Um, again, you could step left or right or scoot in and and open things up a little bit, and that's totally fine. But you're absolutely right. There are a few shots at every event that we want to set up that are extremely difficult shots. Uh, but one of the things we always like to say is guys would be like, man, there's only like an eight-inch gap there between those two trees. And I'm like, well, I mean, how big is this arrow you're shooting? <laughs> right. I mean, it's you're not shooting an eight-inch arrow. <laughs> so or eight inch wide and circumference. So it's uh you should be able to make it. So we we like to talk a lot of trash, but it it does, you guys can attest to this when you're seeing shots like that that have obstacles in the way, and it's a very doable shot. Um, if those trees weren't there, meaning you wouldn't be focused on them, whereas when the tree is there, now you have to really focus past that tree and, and get past that fear and know your arrow is going to go where you're putting it. Well, or, or I should say where you want it to go. Right. <laughs> or it's, it's definitely going to go where you're going to put it. Yeah. Well, it, it, or it can go the other way. And a perfect example is, you know, when I, John mentioned, we'd gone to Idaho. Well, the last day, the last everything we come up on this bedded buck and I had a buck tag, a deer tag out there elk hunting and, John's like, it's just a total archery challenge shot. Like all you have to do is put it over that and under that and right through there. And I ended up stalking down in there and I didn't make the shot because I knew that I would hit the branch. And I think that that's from the, you know, the shots that you set up. I know my abilities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need to practice on that. Sounds like. <laughs> well, yeah. I was about ready. I'm like, I didn't have a tag, but I'm like, I'm about ready to shoot it from up here. It was like 54 yards. And I'm like, the arrow would have just went whoop, right in the you know, right in the tendering awesome. on them. But I mean, it does. A lot of those shots do give you a lot of practice of, you know, either shots we've ran into ourselves or guys have been like, Hey, can you set up a shot like this? You know, I missed an elk at this distance at this angle, whatever. And then we try to replicate as best we can. Um, so people can practice for that because once you're out here, inevitably you're going to have a lot of steep shots. And if you're spot and stock, there's going to be, stuff in the way there's going to be an aspen tree that they're bedded down against and whatever so um so we do we do set up a lot of these shots as though you would encounter it while you were hunting and then of course there's always the shots that we just do that are just for fun you know like the 120 yard shot on a moose or whatever like just let her fly and enjoy watching the arrow go so uh, back to the like behind the scenes type stuff. This year is a perfect example. You're changing the venue in in Michigan because of some like logistical issues with Boyne. Like, what does it take to find a a spot to set it up? And you know, overall, you know, when you set it up, like distance between uh, shots, courses, all of that stuff. But I mean, safety has to be paramount. So how are he? How does it get built from from that standpoint? So ground up. Yeah. So we looked at, uh, we've looked at a ton of different resorts and properties out in Michigan. Um, we had the best one for sure. Boyne, I think was our, the number one option, which is why we went there to begin with, but they're going under construction for 
a few years actually as they redo a bunch of their uh, home base area and their lifts and that kind of thing. And they're building a sky bridge. So um, it, uh, it's a lot of looking at these resorts. We'll build out maps without going out there just to see if we can make it work. And uh, um, that it's, there's a lot of work that goes into it beforehand because you're right. Safety is absolutely number one. We don't ever want to get that wrong and we don't ever want to push that limit. Um, we want to make sure everybody's out there and they're, they're feeling safe while they're out there too. Um, even if it looks safe, if, even if we know it's safe, perception has a lot to do with it too. Right. So you want everyone to feel comfortable, but uh, so we, um, we ended up mapping out that where we're going crystal mountain and it made sense enough to go take a look. Uh, it'll be a little different than Boyne. We've got, you know, there's going to be some different setups. We're looking forward to it, but um, there will be three courses, possibly four on the mountain. And then they have a big pine forest that we'll be in with another two courses. And then we have another section where we're going to try to do that Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation course, which is 15 elk targets. Um, but uh, you ask about kind of the, the logistics or the, the background side of it. So we've mapped it out, but once you're hiking, that ultimately is going to change, right? There's going to be some, some differences based on what we've mapped and what we've seen to once we're hiking, carrying the targets and putting them in place. Um, and so we don't know really any of that. We know it'll work. We just don't know exactly how until we're starting to pound stakes in the ground. And how many events did you, you said you had one event in 2012. Uh, how has it evolved as adding uh, play uh, so, locations over the years? Yeah. So year two, we added three. So we ended up with four total. Um, and then we stayed there for a couple of years and then added on to that um, another three. I'll be honest. I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> We were trying to add, so we've got 10 right now, uh, working on 11 because we tried to do two in Utah. Um, and we have another one coming out to the Midwest that we're working on. We just couldn't get it done in time for this year. So hopefully for next year, we've got a, another event we'll add that I think um, a lot of people are going to be excited about. Uh, you know, I'm not going to give you any insight further and it's in the Midwest, but um there, I think it's going to be a, a good location and uh, give us give you guys out in the Midwest some more mountain shooting. So, so does that? I mean, obviously, being from Utah and centered in Utah, and kind of, I, I you know, obviously we have you know the locals courses, which are the the you said I believe it's the Leopold course now, the the shorter type shots. Um, is it? set up to be like a mountain type thing because i mean that's not in the name or whatever and when you go to the midwest we don't think of like you know our even at boyne our elevation changes aren't like what i'd imagine they are in south dakota or montana or right or like utah's three thousand feet uh in elevation change at snowbird um and i want to say boyne was seven or eight hundred maybe even push 900 feet in elevation change where we're going now is about um 
you're looking at around 450, if I remember, 400 to 450, something like that. Um, I, I don't, if I understand your question correctly, I don't think it's, yes, it's built. We built this as a Western event in the sense that wherever we go, we want to set it up like you're in the West. Now, obviously there's some giant variables there. The mountains are smaller. So, but we still want to set it up like you're hunting in the woods and doing some spot and stock and then, um, and then just putting a lot of miles on your feet. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much what I was asking because, you know, the, if you, we've got some guys that shoot at our, our Bowman's club that did one of the ones out West. I forget which one they said they, they'd flown out to maybe South Dakota. And then they shoot this one in the one in PA and they're just, the events are, you know, markedly different. You know, the shots might yeah, be the similar. The shots are going to be the same. The shots are similar, but the terrain is definitely different. I mean, you're talking about the Rockies and the Black Hills versus the, I mean, Boyne Mountains is just a big sand dune covered in grass and trees, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it sounds like Crystal is also a bunch of sand. I was there, it was only snow. But um, I think the the event itself, uh, no matter where you go, will be consistent. The, the variable is the terrain, which can vary greatly, right? I mean, there's no question there. But we still try to make everything else outside of terrain very consistent. Yeah, one of the things that we keep hearing about the Michigan event is that the misses are forgiving. So it's not there's not rock that you're shooting into if you just completely right. whiff on when it's going into the dirt, right? Where yeah. just exploding. Yeah, so, no, there's a lot of truth to that. We there's less broken arrows in Michigan than any other event. because um, if it hits into the ground, you're hitting you're shooting into sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, or or tree. I mean, if you miss, we still highly recommend. In fact, we insist that you uh, flex test your arrows. Mm, yeah. uh, do that always, always flex test your arrows. You skim it on a branch, flex test your arrow. Uh, these, we get, these targets get a lot of arrows in them. If somebody's arrow breaks inside, you may hit something inside the target. I know it's happened to quite a few people. Also, those targets have a, the bigger targets have a metal frame, uh, frame a metal skeleton. So, uh, even though don't be drawn in that your arrows are good, I guess is what I'm saying. Even though you're shooting into a sandy hill, you still need to uh, flex test those arrows and make sure they're safe to shoot for the next one. Yeah, I tell that to everyone in our group and everyone that we talk to. I'm like, make sure, you, even if you're slapping someone else's arrow, always check your arrow because you don't want that. Always. So um, we have a video. You guys are maybe or maybe not press play on it, but. We send it out in every email before every event. It's got uh, John Dudley from Knock on Archery talking about, hey, make sure you check your arrows and, and how to do it. We had an incident um, of a guy that shot, I, I believe this was Pennsylvania, if I remember right. He shot into, uh, it bounced off a tree and then just went into the dirt. And so he grabbed it, arrow looked fine to him, right? He didn't really... He didn't give it the old test. He just looked at it. The very next shot, he uses the same arrow. It splits and it goes all the way through his arm, um, in, including an, arteri- an arterial tear. And so had those guys removed, pulled that, I'm talking all the way through his arm. Had they removed that, it could have been a, a disaster, right? Um, but leaving it in and then uh, we got the ambulance called and 
he was fine. They got in there. It took him, I think he said about three hours to get them all taken care of and get that arterial tear sewn up and closed and good to go. But the point is, is his arrow to him seemed fine. And so you and I look at it, you know, we've, we've done this a lot of years and it's kind of a force of habit for us to just grab an arrow and give her a quick flex. Um, that's not the case for everyone. And so, yeah, we strongly encourage everybody. And like I said before, insist everyone check your arrows. And if you don't know how to do it, your email will include a video on TAC Pass, our new communication hub. That'll also have a video in there on like, hey, here's how you flex test an arrow. Uh, so we're not going to, we try not to take anything for granted. Uh, some people just, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So with that, like one of the questions I had on here and I have to, I guess I would hope that that's like the worst thing that's happened out there. Um, but as far as like, you know, accidents, heat stroke, uh, all of that stuff, like what is the protocol for getting someone off the mountain? Because even on some of the ones at Boyne where I don't think it's like probably one of your bigger courses, I mean, there is some length in between there, but you know, it's a long ways. If you were halfway through the course or three quarters of the way through the course and you were to have a, a an event, you know, how do you deal with that yeah, stuff so, from your side? So um, you guys have probably seen and we have guys patrolling the mountain either on the side by side or in a pickup truck at all of our events. We have guys who are patrolling. The bigger mountains like out here in the Rockies, we also have, um, we, we'll have their ski patrol on site that are also kind of some of them like to shoot. So they're out doing that or whatever. Um, but what we do is everybody's aware of the phone number. We have an emergency number on your scorecard. Of course, we'll have that within the app, an emergency number, and you can just send a message immediately on the app if you needed to. So we have guys who are patrolling constantly and then have that phone call and, uh, and then we have somebody on site ready to take care of it. Um, and if it gets too bad, then we get the ambulance. We have had like that guy in PA, we needed an ambulance on. Um, we've had guys who uh, ended up needing stitches from a guy's string broke. Another guy had, uh, he dry fired his bow and his peak came out, smacked him right in the nose, bridge of the nose, and just cut him wide open. Um, but probably the worst accident we've had we ha we do have a lot of fatigue people getting tired but again we can pick those guys up because we've got our patrol crew right um but we had a gal out of texas who was out here in utah and her foot got hung up in some brush when she fell and basically it was almost like her body just twisted off of her foot so to speak it just trashed her ankle um, so we did have to extricate her and get her off the mountain, um, which was us going in and getting her and getting her out. There was no way she was walking out of there. Um, and she still has a little bit of a limp today from that injury, uh, just because it did so much damage. So when they went in to repair it, they had to shorten things up a little bit. That's the worst injury we've had. Uh, knock on wood. There's always twisted ankles, twisted knees, things like things that you're going to expect can happen hiking in the woods. Um, but uh, we do, we do take safety to heart. And like I said, on the bigger mountains, we have bigger patrols on mountains like Boyne 
where we don't need as many people as we do at a park city or in Colorado or whatever, um, then uh, we can get to those people a lot quicker because access to in Michigan is fast, you know, and it's all, it's a, we can drive all over that mountain. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we do have a pretty good safety plan in place as long as we're being communicated to. Okay. Yeah. And I would imagine, I mean, you do it for 10 years, something's going to happen just, just because, and it is, you know, if you're trying to replicate shots that you'd have in the mountain and you're going to, you know, places that have bigger terrain, inevitably anybody hiking is going to have that regardless. So it's good to hear that it's not really the, the archery related injuries or anything like that. It's, you know, just kind of accidental things. Yeah. It's the, it's more mountain hiking related injuries more than anything else. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really hope we can keep it that record and percentage that way. Sure. It, I you, mean, I'd rather no injuries, but if we're going to have some, I'd rather it wasn't an arrow in somebody's leg. Right. 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 And you keep mentioning the TAC pass and that's how registration is going to go and information is going to be disseminated. Um, what can you tell us about that? So TAC pass, um, I gave you guys a little bit earlier, but I'll, I'll just kind of repeat what it is. So what we've done is communication's a big deal on this mountain. Uh, we just spoke about one reason, safety. Uh, another reason, maybe a target's falling over or, uh, who, I mean, who knows what, plus all the cool things that we have going on at home base, you know, you can win this, win that after parties, whatever the case, uh, weather advisories, you name it. Um, all of our, all of our announcements, uh, or communication was happening through social media, like Instagram and Facebook. But the problem is, is how those algorithms work. A lot of that communication is getting lost. So unless you go direct to Total Archery Challenges page, then you're not going to see what we're trying to tell you during the events. So what we did is we created our own app where we can do this communication with you. And it's not going to be filtered. Excuse me. It's not going to be filtered out uh, by other groups, if you will. Um, So now we can have direct contact with you, tell you what's going on. You can tell us what's going on. And uh, we've all, we'll also gamify it a bit to have some really fun things going on um, throughout the event. And then when the events aren't happening or you're not participating in one, then we'll come up with some fun ways. You also can participate virtually, if you will. Um, it, the scorecard will be on there. Also, you won't be able to find it right now, but it's being, it's built. We're just refining it. And, uh, the scorecard will have some pretty cool things on it too. For example, as you guys know, certain shots, you know, we set it up to where you should be kneeling down to make that shot. And, and if you don't understand your bow's arc or your arrow's arc out of your equipment, then there's a chance you're going to hit that branch above you. And a lot of people do. And so we're going to have some tips and tricks in there that we will communicate within the scorecard. You'll pull it up and it'll tell you, Hey, on this shot, you should kneel down or whatever. Um, just so people can look at it and be like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, and, uh, and then registration, as you mentioned, um, registration is always a headache. It always is, uh, a part, part of that or a big reason for that is the events are selling out. 
So we took a bunch of feedback from over the last few years of what guys have told us that they'd like to see and, and it'd be easier to do this or do that. And that was another big reason behind TAC Pass. Uh, the way that works is now you'll be able to go in, create your profile and put in all your personal information. So you're not doing that at registration, which takes some time. So you lose that knock time or whatever. Uh, now, what that means, everybody's doing that now. And so now you will, um, it'll sell out faster, but at least you won't be fighting that. I chose this. And then by the time I did all my personal info, I lost that and I had to go back and choose another one or whatever. Um, you can also create your shooter group. So Bowhunter Chronicles has a group of four guys. Um, one of you creates that group, invite your buddies who have already created their profiles. Now you've got a group. Now, when you go to register, uh, in the registration, it'll be like, you know, who are you, who are you, uh, registering for? And you can choose you as an individual or a shooter group. Once you have the shooter group, you just choose which guy. So let's say three guys are shooting Friday, four are shooting Saturday. You'll be able to choose those guys and get all that done without trying to type in everybody's personal info because it's already there. It's already saved. You just go in, who's shooting what days, which courses, what times, check out. So we're hoping now, granted, every, you know, when you do these things and they're new, there's inevitably there's some bugs. We hope we have the bulk of them cleaned out. I'm sure we'll learn some things and, and continue to um, change this to where it fits perfect. But I think we've built something that every, that should answer a lot of those things that people wanted to see. Um, the most important is going to be getting everybody on there to create their profiles and create their shooter groups before, uh, those events that they're interested in open. Yeah. I think that that was the main next question that I had was what about groups? Because that is, I mean, I'm the guy that has to do this and we've got 65 yeah. year old shooters with us and I got to guess they're birth dates and blood types and all this other stuff to get it done. And, you know, and a couple of years ago when you uh, opened registration at ATA and we're there hung over <laughs> yeah. doing all that. And then the site crashes and we're freaking out because yeah. they do sell out. And uh, I think it's great that you're staggering um, when the registration is based on the event too. And Michigan's quite a bit down the line. So you, hopefully you'll have all the bugs worked out for us. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, that was a big mistake on our part, um, opening them all together, but you know, we're, I'm not an IT guy. I just believe what people say. And, you know, we, we know we have a lot of people that are going to come in on that, but it was just more than what was anticipated. So we learned from that, right. Regardless of if somebody says, you know what, we can give you all the server space you need. You can have 10 million people show up to do it. I'm not doing that shit ever again. So that's why we're staggering it. Um, Oklahoma will be our first one that we open. It's a new event. Um, it'll give us a good test to, to work through hopefully not too many issues and uh, keep refining it for some of these bigger events like a Michigan and a Pennsylvania and a Utah and Montana. Uh, you know, the events that sell out really fast. Um, but again, a, a, a lot of what TAC Pass is is the feedback from guys like you saying, Hey, it would be cool if, or why can't you do this? Or just take notes on the, on the pain points. Now, here's the thing, no matter what we do, 
it's going to sell out if it's a sellout event. There's nothing we can do to fix that for anybody. Now, we have added some space and we've changed a few things. We added, um, we're letting people book into the afternoon a little bit further. Uh, we've just lessened how many. So typically you're looking at, you know, 17 to 20 people per knock time per course. And we'll cut that back and let people book later into the, into the afternoon to open up some more space. And that's based on us over the last two years. We're, we're keeping track of how many people go up in the free time, meaning you don't need a knock time and gauging on that, how many people we can still add without it turning into uh, being, being too busy or whatever. Um, and those numbers over the last two years have been really close to the same. So I feel like we're, co- we're pretty comfortable and being very conservative in that, but it does open up a few spots. Uh, the, the other thing that we're doing, uh, you guys haven't seen it yet. It's just mentioned in the email. We're going to, we're going to put that on tack passes. It's a tiered pricing. So the pricing is the same, right? $60 for one day or whatever. However, if you're wanting to go early in the morning, those seven or 8 AM times, you're paying a, a, a 10% add on, if you will, um, to shoot that early time. And then the guys who are a little bit earlier or a little later, but still early, a $5. And then the rest of them are, are the same as it's been in the years past. So we're adding a little bit of a premium um, to those times. They get more for their money if they want to shoot multiple courses that day. And uh, we're just seeing if uh, how that plays out for, you know, some guys might be like, ah, I'm not going to do the early morning. I don't want to spend the extra $10. And it may level off some of that. Uh, quick sellout. I doubt it, but $10 probably isn't enough, but still. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, well, the first day, I mean, we kind of do it. We try to get an early one, but then after like on Saturday, we definitely, we did that the one year where we get got up and did the hike after, I think we got about two hours of sleep and (laughs) uh, yeah. And we were still pretty much, I think drunk hiking the hill (laughs) But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think, I mean, I think when you go to an event like that, and especially the people that are doing one day, um, you know, you're going to want to get there as early as possible to shoot two courses if you can. And especially for guys that have never done it before. Um, and I, maybe it's, maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's bad for, for you, but I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, when the events sell out, like Michigan inevitably does, you know, and guys get all bummed out about, you know, they can't go up there and shoot. I'm like, well, go up there to the event. Anyways, if you've got the time, you can shoot the practice course for free. I mean, I don't think anybody's checking, but to actually see like what the event is all about and the vendors. And I mean, there's a lot of things that are in and of itself, not shooting the course. Right. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah. So we encourage everyone to come up. Uh, have a good time. We don't necessarily say the shooting that archery range is free. We do charge for that. It's a minimal price, but the real reason is we need that waiver, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to know who's on the mountain shooting, that type of deal. Especially if something were to happen, then we can figure out who's who and what, how to get a hold of somebody, whatever. Um, but you're up, you're 100% correct in the sense that we come up. Th- 
not only is there a lot to do and you get to see and participate with the after parties and that and the booths that are there and the archery range and the novelty shots um inevitably there's people that don't show up so you might get on the mountain anyway uh you know if I'm not telling hundreds and hundreds of people to do this because you're talking about a small percentage, but there are people that don't show up for whatever reason. And so if we have room, we'll send people up on the mountain that have just shown up. Hey, can I please go? Sure. Yep. We have room. So there, there is that opportunity. That isn't something you should count on, but it can happen. And it, and it can happen at every single event. Well, there's so many, I mean, I I can't imagine like out at the bigger shoots, but even in Michigan, there's so many personalities that are there, like guys that, I mean, like last year there were guys walking around. I'm like, I didn't know he was going to be here. Like just cool interactions that you have with the people that are in the booths and, and things, um, you know, that you, you don't, it's, it's much more than a 3d shoot. Right. I mean, it's somewhat of an experience that you guys have built. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's what we're after. And we even call that, you, you guys see it everywhere. It's on our website. We hashtag it all the time. 3d archery experience. Cause we're after more than the shoot We're we really want to build the community. Um, there's a lot of new people that come into this event because of guys like you sharing it, inviting them, whatever we provide an experience where they can come out, have a really good time regardless and just continue to build that camaraderie and uh, brotherhood if you will of the bow and it's um it's a it's a challenge that we like having and uh and it's been working out well and we just hope to continue to do that and and continue to build this industry that all of us love i mean you guys included you've got bow hunter chronicles and uh we're all just out here trying to do what we can do to make a living in things we love and also provide a good time. Yeah. I mean, I went to, I was at the traditional show here in Kalamazoo yesterday, and then I hit up one of the other expos on my way. And we were talking about it with the guys that were there and, and events like we always be talking with the guys from bear archery, but you know, you go to an event like the total archery challenge and it doesn't matter like, politics or like anything else that's going on in the world, like what site you're shooting or what arrows. I mean, you're going to see all of this equipment. Everybody's there for the same reason. And, and, you know, you're going to be at, next to a guy at the practice range. Like, Oh man, I was looking at those binos. Like, how do you like them? Like, Oh, you got the new prime, like that inline. What do you think of that compare? You know, everybody's there with the same passion, the same idea. And you're going to have thousands of people, they're all doing the same thing. You know, you're helping people find their arrows and, you know, everything. You're not saying, man, hurry up, come on, I want to get to shoot. Like, it's, it, it is a real, you know, a, a place where, I mean, John doesn't talk to anybody. And then when he gets up there, he can't, he, he won't shut up. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's been, it's been, uh, you know, speaking on our, our 10 year anniversary coming up here this year. Um, it has been really, really fun to see the growth. And, you know, sometimes we're too busy to really get to celebrate the wins on our end um, because we really do want this. We, we work hard to make it a great event. And, uh, and so 
you know, we make all these changes, we do all these things to try to make it better. And, and we hope to continue to do that and continue to uh, be able to reach all these archers across the country and bring everybody together because it is a good time to get away from all the BS that's going on out there and just relax, shoot, hone our skills and have a great time, meet new friends. So what is the attendance at these events? I mean, like, what is the, what are the sellout numbers? So um, it's a little bit of a moving target in the sense that if everybody just bought a one day ticket, it would be higher. So you've got that, that moving target a little bit, one day, two day, three day. Uh, But in Michigan, for example, your sellout, you're looking at about 2,500 shooters, unique shooters, not you know what I mean? Like each individual, 2,500 unique individuals. Right. Um, that That's only the guys on the mountain. That doesn't include uh, what's going on at the home base or anything. So that event's, you know, over 3,000 people um, all in and done with everybody else that's involved in this. But um, our biggest shoots are, you know, they're well over 3,000. And then you add everybody else that's involved and you're adding another 500 people or so. And I guess historically for people, and, you know, this is going to change with the, the tack pass and, you know, people's comfort level going outside and what, you know, whatever else BS is going on. But like, theoretically, if somebody wants to go to one of these events, like, what is their window to sign up uh, realistically? It's, yeah, it's impossible varies, to say. Right. That depends on the event. Um Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, you know what? Early morning stuff at all of them sells out quick. You, you need to be in there in day of and be ready to go uh, when we open. Uh, but a Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, Terry Peak, Colorado, Montana, Utah, those are all sold out for the, the bulk of it's going to be sold out the day of. Okay. Um, so you really need to be on your game on those events. Uh, and even the ones I didn't mention, the Vermont, uh, Oklahoma is an unknown. Um, but anything as far as that early morning, weekend, to Saturday or whatever, it, it goes fast. Um, it's going to go, if, if TAC Pass works the way we think it's working, the way we've been testing it, um, it'll sell out quicker because you don't have to spend all the time typing in five other guys' info. Mm-hmm. You're just selecting it. Uh, um, you're not selecting knock times this year. We're gonna. You're selecting a, a like 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. type of thing. Um, the reason we did that is because so many people were trying to choose this one specific knock time, and then it would sell out. And then they'd go back to choose another. Well, in that amount of time, it's all gone. And so this was one of the big things where we're like, okay, um, there's only a couple of ways we can do this. So now you're, you're basically choosing that tier of time of when you'd want to go. So you're going to choose your course, but you're not going to choose that 7 a.m. or 7.30. You're going to choose like 7 to 9 or something like that. And then, then the way you're going to get your time we're going to assign you your knock times, but really the way that works is um, the first to check out. 
So everything's timestamped, right? So the first people to check out, we're going to plug them into those first, those first uh, knock times. But what we're trying to do is just make it a little easier on you, clean it up a little bit. It'll sell out quicker, but it should be less of a headache. I'd rather, I would rather go into an event and it says sold out, then go into it, spend 45 minutes and then find out it's sold out because I couldn't get going back and forth, trying to get knock times. You guys would know you've done the event. You know how that works. Right. Sure. And this isn't like a a sales pitch or anything for like Sean to say, well, you got to do this right now because it's going to sell out. You know, we got to like, there's there's so many people that I see like, two weeks later, like, Oh man, I heard you guys talking about the total archery challenge. Like yeah. we need to, uh, I need to check that out. And it's like, uh, sorry. Yeah. Like we start planning for it. Like immediately after the event is done for yeah. next year. I, I mean, was just going to say that. Cause there was a couple guys at the club like, yeah, I want to go up to that. I'm like, well, yeah, you're going to have to wait for next year. Cause that's all sold out. Like, you know, like you yeah. can come hang out, you know, do the practice course, sign up for that. I mean, there's a ton of other events going on, you know, the vendors, and after well, in in lodging too. I mean, like when we were at Boyne, we had a specific condo that we wanted, and it's like we get it immediately. And like I yeah. called everybody that I knew in the hunting industry to find out where this event was going to be, so that I could get a place to stay where I wanted. Wait a minute, to. did you find out? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> of course, I didn't. <laughs> So we tried to keep it under wraps because I needed to get my housing book first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you posted that picture and it opened up a lot of... Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> people people had it figured out the second we posted that photo. But no, it's... And yeah, I'm not trying to sell anyone on it either. I'm just... I just... We've we've invested a lot of time and money into building TAC Pass for a reason. And that's... The, these are the reasons, right? We're trying to make it easier and and flow better, but it sells out fast. And I'm really excited about it. I'm bummed we can't have everybody, but if we did, then it would be what you experienced those years ago before knock times where you sit around and you're waiting to get on the lift for hours. And that's just not fun. Right. So, I mean, you kind of alluded to your, your favorite event um, earlier to, to us, but um, so like for you guys, what is your, like favorite event that you guys go to. And then for other people, I guess, as far as experience. So if you were trying to sell me on an event that wasn't Michigan or someone who had, you know, if you were going to pick one other one, than your home state, you know, for, for guys like us. So let's say that somebody just goes to the Vermont one or just to the PA one. Um, yeah. What would be uh, another uh, one that would be like a destination type thing? Yeah. So, um, for you guys in Michigan, if I was going to say, hey, you should check this out, Terry Peak would be one. Terry Peak, South Dakota. Um, I, the thing is, is anything in the West, I just really like Terry Peak. Um, I like all of them, but Terry Peak is a fun one. If you're traveling, I always try to tell people that when you're traveling, I always look for something else. So you've got uh, Mount Rushmore's there, Crazy Horse there. The dead, the deadwood, and the Black Hills. There's so much to do. So if you were to come out and do Total Archery Challenge, but your whole family isn't into the archery scene, there's a lot of other things to do to turn this into a vacation to where it's not just you, but you can take you know your family with you if that's what you're into. Um, 
And, uh, and Terry Peak has some incredible terrain, but it's not near as mean of a mountain as uh, a snowbird or Colorado was, or, you know, Mount Montana is another one we like to push people to thing about Montana is it, it sells out really fast, but you've got Yellowstone right there. Tetons are right there. You know, everything's real close. And so again, you can go out uh, where you're leaving Michigan, you can go out, spend a few days at total archery challenge and spend a few days touring the country that you maybe have never seen before. Um, but Terry Peak is probably, I'm going to say probably the, the next one on my list uh, that we tell people to go to um, because it's still, it's, it's a, re- it's a cool event and the terrain's fantastic. Um, but a lot of people ask us this question and I say this, well, at the same time, I mean, they're all right there. They're all awesome. Tennessee has some of the most beautiful terrain there is that we get into. It's a beast of a hike. It's a big mountain. Um, you know, but that's, that's kind of the thing to do there. There's not a lot of traveling around unless you're into the fishing scene a little bit. Maybe you can find some, uh, Texas is beautiful. Texas has an absolutely incredible family venue. They've got the caves and the zip lines and all that kind of stuff that you'd do with a family. And, uh, so all of them have something, but Michigan was my favorite. We'll see what happens with the new venue. Boyne was a, was a huge favorite of mine. And we look at it through a little bit different lens, you know, logistically and set up and all that, but also the people and, and how things flow with the venue, who we, the people we have to work with and all that. So, um, so I'm going to circle back to answer your question. I'm going to say Terry peak, South Dakota, but I'm going to say that all the while saying all of them are awesome and they're all a lot of fun. But if you boys are looking for another one, I'd say go to Terry peak. <laughs> I've been trying to talk him into doing Montana. I've got a buddy that lives in Bozeman and Perfect. Uh, I'm like, dude, we need to go to big sky. I'm like, I hunted elk just not far from Big Sky <laughs> over by the... Uh, yeah, Big Sky is an awesome event. It, I think Big Sky sells out. That's our quickest selling event. Um, so that's why it's like people are like, where should we go? And I hesitate on that. I mean, yeah, go try. But it that's one of the harder ones to get into. Um, we don't really play a preference anymore on... We used to, if you done the event before then you got to sign up early but now that there's so many people that have done the event before it, it there's real there there's no benefit to it right so so the the question that we get asked most about the total archery challenge and the answer is going to vary you know based on the ability of the shooter right but how many arrows do they need to bring sean <laughs> you know that's a that's a fair question um and it does, there's, there's two factors in here. One is your ability to shoot. And two is the amount of risk you like to take, right? So if you're a, if you know your equipment and you know your abilities, you probably are going to do just fine. But if you get into some of those shots that you weren't practicing for, and you're like, no, I want to try this shot. I always tell everyone at least, at least a dozen, at least, um, <laughs> That, you know, that's up for 
argument on your abilities and all that. So you'll hear guys uh, on Instagram, somebody will ask that and they'll be like, oh, you need two dozen or whatever. I mean, bring two dozen, but really it just comes down to if you are there and you want to focus and just do that, or if you want to play and test your ability, then there's going to be plenty of opportunity to hit a tree or miss a target or whatever. Or make a perfect shot on the damn line and hit the rebar. That's the worst target that you guys have. Uh, I mean, that one is eating so many arrows. If it is a perfect shot, I don't think you're going to hit rebar. You're just hitting somebody's broken arrow. Yeah, I mean, well, but not we've, quite perfect. Well, it depends on the angle, and the, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things. But were you in the insert? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So if you're the in- insert, the only way there's metal in that insert is a broken arrow, right? Which is what I was telling you earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Is you know sometimes there gets to be they get broken arrows in them, and that's why even if you think you made a perfect shot, we're circling back to you know double check your arrows, give them a give them a flex test, roll them on your knee, whatever. Um, because you're right on some of those. Once we find out, we either try to fix it by digging out whatever's in there or we replace it. Uh, but if you're in the insert, you shouldn't hit any metal. Now, if you're above the insert on the line, there's like a five-inch plate of steel that you'll probably hit. But Yeah. Tink. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so you're right. And those are the other things that this, just speaking to something as simple as that, that you can communicate easier with us. Like, Hey, you know, we, this is a perfect shot. Here's a picture of what I took. And I hit something that broke my arrow. And so we need to get up there and check that out. Right. So, so you don't have 20 people going in there breaking arrows on the insert. All right. Well, John, what do you got for him? No, I, I mean that right there is, I was just going to make a comment about like, uh, we always, I always bring like a dozen and a half arrows and then, but I, don't lay up like some of the guys like you know they're just shooting for foam and it's like no i'm going for the kill shot i don't care if that twig is over the the vitals or not i'm like i'm gonna kill that animal (laughs) or my arrow (laughs) well john also has a range at his house where he's got 111 yard shot and he's building arrows and bows and everything for to shoot the caribou for the truck and he's got a, a mark on there, and that's what he's doing. He's popping balloons at 111 yards, where the rest of us, we test our equipment out to 100 or, or you know, whatever our sights will go to. And we're, you know, confident in, in a basketball size. But, you know, we uh, – and, and I don't have the Reinhardt, you know, deal on my hip with where the X is or the 14 or any of that stuff. I mean, we're – I don't uh, have I'm, that. I'm shooting minute of animal here. You hey, know? listen, just so you know <laughs> – that's all going to be within the tack pass. Okay. You'll have all the targets. What your each each target? You'll pull up the scorecard. It'll show you what animal you're looking for and where those rings are. Well, and that's so you're going to have all that. So no excuses now. <laughs> well, right. But that's perfect because again, back to that, like who are these sadists that set up the course? You know, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many um, the 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 pheasant on the um, the stump. Uh, the, there's a black bear, like a mini bear, like where they're in the shadows, like up there and like you, you know, you need the guy in front of you to tell you what's up there and like where you're shooting. Yeah. So that's funny. You say that because those shadowed shots are the reason we're like, Hey, we need to put on this new scorecard. We need to put what animal they're looking 
looking for. So um, it's not always intentional necessarily that they're in the shadow because we may set that up and the sun's shining bright there and then it shifts over across the trees three, four hours later and now it's shadow. Um, so it just depends on the time you're shooting too for some of those. But that is a big reason why we're adding this like, hey, this is the target you're looking for. Yeah, that'll be now extremely helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so the his setup, I mean. Yeah, well, so one of the one of the questions I always ask our guests is like, what is your bow setup? So what are you shooting? What's your bow and your arrow setup? I shoot a uh it's a um Savage six five by two eighty four. So I have a prime. Um I I haven't got the inline yet. Uh, but I've been shooting prime the last few years. I actually shot the prime rise up until two years ago. And that's a six, seven year old bow. I don't even remember. It's old, but it was, I was at a point with that setup. I shoot the victory VAT, the TKO arrow, but, um, I've, I was so comfortable with that bow that I knew when, if I was going to let an arrow go that whatever I was shooting at was dead. Um, so it was hard for me to shift to a new bow. So it took me for all those years. I still have the prime, the rise. It's my backup bow. Um, I'm shooting the black, uh, five right now. And, um, I, I love it. So I've got the black gold ascent site and, uh, the, um, vapor trail. What is it? X seven or whatever they're new. Well, it's two years old now. I think when they came out with that new model, um, for the rest. So that's where we're at. It works good, but I will tell you when I got home this year, I went to Alaska, uh, honey moose and I didn't take my bow. I got home shot, wasn't comfortable with my group and decided, and I only, I didn't have much time to make things happen. I don't shoot at all in the summer. We're just, it's a hundred miles an hour. We used to take our bows all the time. And then we realized we never have time to use them. So, uh, we haven't taken them for the last few years and, uh, didn't make it work. So I shot my moose with a, with a gun at 62 yards broadside nice. and a moose is a giant target. I should have <laughs> taken my bow. It'd have been a done deal. So, but that's my setup right now. I am going to get that, the new prime and give it a run, but this bow I'm shooting right now, I absolutely love. Nice. What's your preferred broadhead? I shoot a Grim Reaper. Um, mechanical is, and the thing is, is I've been shooting that broadhead, honestly, since I started um, shooting a bow, which I didn't start shooting a bow. I had a friend of mine, his name's Alan Bolin. I won a shotgun at a either wild, I think it was wild sheep expo. Anyway, I want a shotgun. And the way that works is the shotgun has to be brought into a, you know, a, a mm-hmm. gun store or whatever, an FFL de- uh, dealer. And they were an archery shop. And he's like, dude, you should see if they'll trade you for a bow. So that's what I did. Quick Tricon was my first bow. Um, uh, Grim Reaper is based in Utah. The owner of Grim Reaper is a good friend of ours. And so I've been shooting Grim Reaper since day one. Um, unless we're in a state that doesn't allow it. And then I shoot the G fives for a, for a solid head. So. Sure. Sure. But, 
I what do you what broadhead you guys shoot? Um, so right now I've got the day six, uh, 125 grain. Um, I think it's their wide, um, is what I'm shooting. And I'm shooting, I've got the, uh, alien archery, 175 grain. Uh, it's a single bevel. Jeez. Fixed blade. That Uh, weighs more than my whole arrow. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I mean, I, I shoot all, I mean, I have slick trick, uh, the standards, like the little four blades, a hundred grain. Yep. Uh, the muzzy trocar, the three blade for a fixed blade, those shoot really good out of my setup usually, but I'm shooting an Easton axis with either 50 grains or 75 grains of brass up front. Gotcha. Uh, so he's also got three bows set up in different, (laughs) he's got three different bows, three different setups, you know, right. So I'm not a, I'm not a techie person. Um, I, uh, I mean, I don't. A friend of mine owns a bow shop here locally. I don't tune my own bow or none of that. I go down to the shop, do all that. Um, but uh, like I said, for the most part, it's just that I'm mechanical, but it's a hundred grain. Yeah. The inch three quarters. And then uh, G5, I've played around with a lot of theirs, Montech, whatever. And, but nine times out of 10, I'm shooting the, the uh, mechanical. Sure. And and that's one of the questions that, that comes up and we've, uh, you know, we had the ranch ferry on here with, uh, you know, we sat down with them at ATA and talked through all the Ashby stuff and, you know, it all makes sense. And the other side of it is, is that inch and three quarter cut is going to, you know, do, do a damage. lot of damage. And when you're talking about, you know, the recovery of the animal and being a guide and, you know, with outfitter and all of that stuff. I mean, ultimately, you know, you don't want to wound an animal and let them go. You want to give yourself the biggest chance. And yeah, it, you know, obviously rage is the, the go-to scapegoat, What you know, whatever, when you talk about a mechanical, but it, you know, would you, would you rather junk a broadhead and recover an animal or be able to sharpen it and shoot it forever and not, you know, make a bad shot or, you know, not recover the animal. And, and I had a long conversation about this the other day and I was, I, I posed it to your brother actually about if you were going to shoot a, an animal with a broadhead and you could choose any broadhead, but you had to say, if I don't recover this animal, I die. Right. I mean, it's very hyperbolic, but. You know, so you think which which is going to give me the best chance to recover this animal? I mean, it it might change the way that you well, viewed things. I mean, you look at the percentage of the, an animal; the soft tissue is way more than the like the big bone structure on the front shoulder. So, if right. you're shooting a a big expandable through the guts, you know it's going to be more lethal than just a one inch, you know, single bevel. Or certainly quicker on the lethality. I mean, yeah, they're yeah. both pretty lethal, but he's going to get sick quicker. Right. I, I'll just say this: um, it this I say this the same with uh, shooting how far you know distance as I will about whatever broadhead you're using, um, and it's just you know it, you just need to know your equipment. Um, as long as it's, I, I've heard a lot of guys. I've I've seen personally just because of guiding, I've watched mechanicals kill a lot of different animals. You know, elk, mountain goat, 
grizzly bears, moose, just like I have a fixed. And we've lost animals killed by both. Um, but I will agree with you that uh, if you make a bad shot, you want the most internal damage possible to recover something on a bad shot, as opposed to, um, you know, if on a, on a fixed blade, you might get it's smaller hole, you might get uh, more penetration through there, but I would rather a big giant tear through that thing, like you said, and cause a lot of damage as much as possible. Um, the bigger the hole, the better for me. And, uh, uh, but again, I, I trust them cause I've used them. I haven't killed a, a ton of big game animals with it. Uh, my share of them for sure. But I, I'll tell you what I have. I've killed a boatload of pigs in Texas. <laughs> so those are a great testing ground for broadheads. And, um, but again, it's just, you know, knowing your equipment, not, not going to the store the day before the opener and, and buying whatever they have left on the shelf type of scenario. So um, that's all I'd say to that. I, I, I don't have an argument as, and I've guided a lot for or against either way. Right. I've seen them both win and lose. Like one of my so. things, like I have always told my son and stuff, I'm like, you owe it to the animal. If you're going to go out there and try to take its life, then you need to get out and practice. And like what you're yes. saying, you got to know your equipment and know your ability. Like, obviously, you know, if you're shooting, if you're practice and you're practicing out to 30 yards and a buck comes in to 45, you know that you're not going to take that shot. You know I mean? Yeah. That's just you're part of it. Right. You know, yep. it can't be like Frank, like get an arrow in them. You know, like, no. Yeah. Swiss cheese is no, is better than no cheese. <laughs> Yeah. But no, I agree with you. That's, that's what it comes down to. And that's, you know, there's, there's always discussion for this versus that. Um, I'm, I'm really not the guy, the expert on that. It, except on the experience side of, of tracking animals from not from my own personal uh, hunts with a bow, but guiding them. So I've had the opportunity to do a lot of that. And, uh, and so you're hundred percent right. Just know your equipment. It would amaze you how many, uh, how many guys come out, even in the, on the rifle realm of hunting that spend all this money on these hunts, all the money on their gear, and they don't know how to shoot their gun. Like that's the one reason you're out there is when we find that animal that you're confident, you'll be able to take it down. And these guys have all their money vested into this, and but not the time. Um, and you'll see that a lot with the uh, archery equipment too. They're going to have the best thing in the world, but it doesn't matter what bow you're shooting or what sight. If you're not practicing, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. So, And I think from the total archery challenge thing too is that that's the knowing your equipment side of it. Because, yeah. you know, if you're going out there and uh, our guys are the – it, definitely in this realm it, they're in that like well you have an adjustable site that goes to 70 and you're trying to shoot at 120 and you don't even know where to hold or what to do you just throw it up there well don't expect to think that that five arrows that you brought are are going to cut it right <laughs> yeah yep exactly yep you're exactly right but that's one of the reasons we have this right we do it all summer you guys come out you know where you're at. 
you know where your equipment's at, you know where you're at cardio wise, you know where your feet are at, where your boots are at, where the backpack's at, if the strat, if you've got it set up, right? So find your find the spots that hurt and uh, find the things you need to work on so that when you do go out in the field in the fall to chase whatever your quarry is, that uh, you're as confident as you can be. Yeah. So where's the best place for people to be like up on when these times are, when everything is being released um, for so the TAC, upcoming events? TAC Pass is 100% the place to be for any of the updates. The quickest and cleanest way to get updates is going to be that tacpass.com. So the way TAC Pass works though, is you got to set up your profile. Of course, this is the same profile that you'll be able to register with, but uh, we'll still be posting stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but if you want the quickest, fastest, cleanest way to see what's going on, it's going to be through TAC Pass and getting signed up and get your profile in on that. Uh, there's no algorithms we're fighting with in that as far as what our, what we're doing. Um, and so you'll be able to see the most up-to-date and uh, information there that's not being lost among other sites or people that you follow. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to be, it's going to make it easier for me. I don't care about everybody else, <laughs> yeah. but it's really going to make it easier for me. I hope it's easier for everybody. That was the intent is that we have better communication with you guys. So you can get the info you need quick. Right. That's the idea. It's, it's better in our website because it's a living, moving thing where our website is more static. Um, this will be moving, you know, as things change, you're going to know we're going to announce it right there and everybody's going to see it. So um, I want to wrap this up. We've had you on here for quite some time now, but um, one of the things that just came to mind when you're talking about that and the tacpass.com, all of those things um, with it being a living, moving thing, and it's going to be used out on the mountain. Um, is there going to be adequate, service or are you going to is it going to be something that you need to download uh no so no that's a great question um most of our events have great service so in it since it's going to be live you would need service right you're not going to be able to get those updates there's only a few courses throughout the whole uh tour that service is bad some of it's you know some some in tennessee the back half of two of them in texas so you're only talking about a small part there that uh, that wouldn't. There's one course in Colorado that doesn't have service. Um, other than that, you have pretty good service across the board, and so that's why we think this is the way to go. And in any case, the way we did it before was through social media, and uh, that service is the same factor as far as you being able to get updates. Except now it's all tack. So. The other fun thing about that TAC pass is, um, you know, we, we encourage everyone to share videos, to share pictures to this podcast. For example, once you guys decide to release it, we'll put it on there. We'll have a podcast section where we're putting all the podcasts that we're on uh, that we like. Maybe I'll listen to this and I'll be like, that didn't make the cut, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm kidding, by the way. Um, so it's it's going to have a lot of cool content that you, the participants, are creating that then we can share with everybody else. And we're going to change a few things how we do because we, you know, we we want to encourage you guys to, to share this stuff. For one, we love to see it, 
Two, we know all the other people want to see it. And there's a lot of people that don't make it to events that uh, tune in, you know, that they want to see this stuff. So there'll be a chance to win a lot of different uh, uh, prizes, things of that nature from our partners that we have just by being on and participating within the app. So, um, you know, right now we're going to give away some stuff for the best team name. And there are some freaking funny team names on there. Uh, People are creative. I love it. It's hilarious. And we'll do some photo con, you know, just stuff to encourage like, hey, participate, share what you guys are doing, share what you love, and uh, um, and we'll get it out there and share it with everybody. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that in the event. I mean, granted that we get on, in on time, but I like that we've got, uh, like, we know when it's going to be, it's not. You know, I can I can plan for that now. Well, we're going to be there regardless because we got the condo. Yeah, we got the condo. We'll just be <laughs> hanging out, cooking. That's right. Well, you do, you know, if you don't make it, you can always come ask Monica right every morning. Anyone <laughs> not show up, and you might get on. So I'll just take it, somebody's uh, bow with their thing. <laughs> just ride up, put stash my that? bow in the woods. <laughs> I said I'll just grab somebody's bow with. with <laughs> so, yeah, you're gonna love this too. So that changed too. So your profile, you're gonna get a ticket that basically we scan. And it pulls up your profile photo and who you are. So you can do that. It just won't work anymore. We're not doing the wristband. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess they caught me. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we didn't. I don't remember catching you, but there were a few we did. <laughs> no, he, he, so for all the, the crap I gave Sean in the beginning for being the old grumpy guy, he did actually give us beer for being the last shooters on the Sitka course. And we came back. And he said, well, I need the last shooters, you know, for something. And I said, well, if you give us a beer, we'll come and tell you that we're done. And he said, all right, I'll, I'll make that happen. And I think we stole some from the Sitka booth or something. Yeah, it was either Sitka or the badass outdoor gear guys. Because I don't carry my own beer around. I, I don't drink, but I guarantee we we probably stole it from one of those guys. Yeah, I think we got so, a couple bush lights from the Sitka guys. <laughs> Oh, for sure. It, well, it's normally, I think if it was a Coors Light, it was definitely from Badass Outdoor Gear. There's no question. That's that's what you get at that booth is Coors Light. But anyway, no, it, uh, it, it, it the organization of all that and the logistics of it is, is uh, you know, we just, we want it to be an event that you can enjoy. And some of that is going to require the grumpy old man organizing the lift so that the right people are getting on for what they paid for. Right. So, um, but we, uh, we find great pleasure in um, people having a good time at this event. So, uh, and we're going to continue to, to listen to what you have to say to make the right changes and we're going to continue to innovate and find new things to make it a fun event that you guys who've been coming for five, six years want to come for another five or six years and hopefully longer than that. But you, that that's really our ambition in this is um, we love the hunting industry. We love the archery world. Um, and uh, and as long as we can keep putting things together to help promote it, grow it, and make people smile while they're doing it, then we're going to keep doing it. Awesome. Well, awesome. We, I mean, we really do appreciate the event and and everything that you guys put into it uh, because it's it is a huge ordeal, and it is like I said in the beginning, like the highlight of you know what we look forward to in the summer. Um, 
going up there and it's become like I told you in the correspondence or whatever, like it's a big part of our show is, you know, getting our bows ready, getting all of our stuff ready, like coordinating with the listeners, who's going to be there and, you know, like interacting. It's just such a fun event and uh, really appreciate, you know, what you guys do and, you know, for coming on here and and talking with us to try and, you know, explain it a little bit more completely than, than we do. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys for coming out all these years and for uh, pushing it, but not just you guys. I mean, everybody, the only reason this event exists is, uh, is guys like you are out sharing it with other people. And, uh, and without that, then, I mean, it doesn't matter what we do. If people aren't showing up, it's pointless. So, so um, the, the feelings mutual uh, as far as thank you for what you guys are doing and for coming out and participating and then, for everyone else out there, you know, you're anyone listening to that same thing. Like we're super grateful for all the people that attend our event. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Okay. Cool guys. So good luck signing up, get your (laughs) profiles, get your groups built, and then let us know if you have any questions, but we'll get, we'll start updating that tech pass regularly. So everybody's comfortable come registration. All right. Sweet. Perfect. Hey guys, appreciate it. Thank you.